Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 490 for the 24th of April, 2016. This week, I've been looking at a low-priced but uncommonly robust video editor that unfortunately crashes a bit too often. Still, it might be a good choice for some. In short circuits, maybe Microsoft has finally convinced Intel to fix the video device driver crashes that have plagued Surface users. It appears that Amazon has just challenged Netflix to a duel Western Digital and Veritas have a private cloud backup system and some high-performing disk drives in a new gold line. Listening to FM radio on your smartphone is about to get better. In spare parts, only on the website. If you're hungry and you're in one of 24 cities served by DoorDash, you can have food delivered from many local restaurants. Scotchmaker Johnny Walker wants us to learn more about the carbon footprint web surfing creates. Yeah, I'll have to explain that. And a couple of acquisitions caught my attention this week. Cyberlink Power Director 14 is surprisingly powerful for an application that costs just $200, but seems to be perpetually on sale for about $70. It has one of the fastest rendering engines I've ever seen, offers a variety of flashy transition effects and a seemingly endless variety of additional plug-in features you can buy. But for all the power and speed, it has the annoying habit of crashing frequently. The interface is relatively standard for consumer-grade video editors in that it offers two video tracks with audio, an effects track, a titles track, and two audio tracks, one nominally for music, the other nominally for narration. To test the application, I downloaded some video clips of New York City from VidEasy. Not all of the video tracks had the same frame rate. That's not recommended, and it could be one of the reasons that I experienced a lot of crashes. I've discounted that conjecture, though, because sometimes PowerDirector crashed when I merely clicked on the program interface. Initially, I just dumped all of my video clips onto the timeline and produced a finished video. Check out the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com, and take a look at the before view. It's about two minutes long. When moving a video clip, sliding one clip over another, or dropping a video clip onto an existing clip, PowerDirector offers to overwrite the existing video, insert the video, or insert the video and move the other clips. In some cases, the application will also offer an option to cross-fade the clips. The options offered always seem to be correct and logical. The effects are somewhat more problematic. After accidentally dropping an effect on top of a video clip instead of onto the effects track, I found no way to edit or remove the effect. Instead, I had to delete the clip from the timeline and add it back in from the media bin. No big deal, but that could be a puzzler. Even more frustrating is the apparent lack of transitions for the effects. In fact, I suspect that transitions can be applied to the effects, 
but I was unable to learn how from the program's help file or the limited number of online instructional videos. So instead of gradually appearing and then disappearing, the one effect you'll see in my finished video just appears, bam, and then disappears, bam. Not very subtle. So I'd like to see some improvements in that area. PowerDirector 14 teases users with a list of 125 musical styles, but only 10 are available without additional charge. Each of the available styles, though, does have several sub-styles. For my sample video, I selected the Clear Vision style. I found audio transitions to be rough even when crossfade was selected, so I used only a single musical track for the entire video. That's possible because users can stretch the audio clip to any length, and the program magically fills the space by expanding the selection. One of PowerDirector's most striking features is the Produce panel. Most other programs will refer to this as rendering. Selecting the incorrect options might be possible, but the developers have made it uncommonly easy to select the right options. After you've made the selection, you'll probably be surprised by how quickly the finished video will be rendered. Instead of taking 10 to 15 minutes to render my two-minute video, PowerDirector did the work in just 2 minutes and 31 seconds. And while you're on the TechBiter Worldwide website, be sure to check out the finished video. It's a little less than 2 minutes long. PowerDirector 14 includes a separate screen recorder and an audio editor that I have not reviewed here. The combination is impressive, and it could be a little confusing. Fortunately, though, Cyberlink provides numerous videos that explain how to use the application. Some are directed at beginners who will need information about how the interface works. Others are directed at more advanced users. The videos are categorized, general video editing, travel, action sports, wedding, commercial production, and YouTube. Users could easily spend many hours viewing videos to learn how to improve their video editing techniques and understand some of the application's many nuances. In fact, if you're interested in video editing, doing exactly that is a really good idea. Despite the impressive features, though, PowerDirector 14 crashed far too often. In the early days of personal computers, I learned to save documents every time I finished a paragraph, and I found myself doing the same thing with PowerDirector 14 so I wouldn't lose any work. Once, the application even crashed during the save process, and then it had to recover a previous version when I restarted it. So the bottom line is four cats for Cyberlink PowerDirector 14. Its uncommon and powerful capabilities are marred only by crash problems. It was actually a surprise. Given the relative low cost, I didn't expect much, and I scheduled a very short period for the review, far too short. I had expected to run this review several weeks ago. So there's a lot here. PowerDirector 14 would have easily earned five cats had it not crashed so frequently. I'll keep an eye on the application, and I hope to check out the next version. You'll find additional details on the Cyberlink website. There's a link from the TechFighter Worldwide website. In 
short circuits, I'm wondering if Microsoft has finally fixed its Surface tablet. When the Surface tablet came out, I thought it was an interesting device, but I didn't buy one. The Surface 2 was more compelling. The Surface 3 even more so, but still I resisted. Then came the Surface 4. I bought one, and I have generally been happy with it. Generally happy, however, is not delighted. The video driver has a nasty habit of crashing. The problem is really a combination of bad firmware and bad drivers from Intel. So it's not really a Microsoft problem, but it is a Microsoft problem because it has affected most, if not all, versions of the Surface. Updates over several years haven't had much effect on the problem, but now maybe it's fixed. Maybe. On the 20th of April, just about every driver on the Surface was updated. Normally, driver updates are for just a few devices at a time. This time, 32 of them. I've received many of them, but still not quite all. The ones that were of most interest to me include the Intel Corporation driver update for Intel HD Graphics 520. That's the one that's most likely the problem. But I was also interested in the Intel Corporation driver update for Intel Display Audio, Intel driver update for Intel Imaging Signal Processor 2500, Microsoft driver update for Surface Dock integration, and Microsoft driver update for Surface Dock firmware. These are the ones most likely to resolve the problem. The video driver crash has been little more than an annoyance. It certainly hasn't been a real significant problem. Recovery takes just a few seconds, but still, it's generated hundreds of comments on Microsoft's support site. Based on my use over the past few days, I believe the problems have at least been reduced and may have been eliminated. That said, there are some scattered reports by Surface 3 and Surface Book users that they're now seeing other problems. Incidentally, buying a Surface-like tablet from a Microsoft competitor won't shield you from the problems. The root issues are with Intel hardware and Intel drivers. Amazon Prime members are automatically enrolled in the company's video streaming service. The Prime enrollment fee is paid in a lump sum once a year, but now Amazon is offering streaming video for $9 a month and Amazon Prime including video for $11 a month. This could do some damage to Netflix. Netflix will soon increase its monthly fee to $10, so Amazon's video will cost $1 less per month, or, if you want Prime with it and no extra cost two-day shipping, $1 more than Netflix. Hulu's prices are $8 a month with commercials, $12 a month without commercials. Oh, and by the way, all of those prices are really a penny less per month than I said, because marketers think $11.99 appears to be a lot smaller than 12 If you like the idea of Amazon Prime, you'd be better off spending $100 to buy a year's membership instead of $11 a month, which comes out to $132 a year. Video has been just an add-on for Amazon, but now it looks like the company has decided to make it a primary service. Amazon offers some exclusive videos, such as Bosch, Orphan Black, and The Americans, shows that aren't available on Netflix. 
Netflix has about 75 million subscribers worldwide, though, and has exclusives of its own that aren't on Amazon Prime. Amazon has added the popular PBS series Downton Abbey and children's programming from Nickelodeon. How big a deal is this? Good question. Amazon doesn't release information about how many Prime subscribers it has. Analysts estimate that Amazon is spending more than $3 billion every year to acquire content. So apparently, enough people are watching to make those expenditures worthwhile. Western Digital and Veritas Technologies are pushing what they call the HGST Active Archive System that combines Veritas Net Backup with Western Digital Hardware. The system reportedly provides improved scaling and reduced backup complexity and cost to a private cloud. The advantages include lower administrative costs and infrastructure overhead, including costs associated with tape management, tape rotation, and off-site storage. So clearly this is not an option for home users. The system can scale from 672 terabytes on the low end to 28 petabytes. The HGST Active Archive System and Veritas Net Backup Solution allows customers to protect any workload and deliver an optimized, scalable, and easy-to-manage storage solution to meet customer service level agreements. Those are the words of Brian Green, a senior director at Veritas. Western Digital is releasing some new disks, too. They have a new disk color, gold. Gold data center hard drives are designed for small and medium-scale enterprise servers and rack-mount data center applications. The drives are available in capacities up to 8 terabytes each to reduce the space required by the disk drives. Western Digital sells specialized disk drives that are identified by color. There's WD Red, WD Purple, WD Blue. Brendan Collins, Vice President of Product Marketing, says that WD Gold is the top of the company's color portfolio. It's, he says, another step in creating optimized drives for the markets we serve. Our continued goal is to deliver the most competitive and reliable solutions on the market. WD Gold data center hard drives include improved power efficiency, better performance, higher reliability, and dedicated premium support. You can find more information about the Western Digital Gold line on the Western Digital website. You know, there's a link on the TechFighter Worldwide website. But you knew that, right? <music>
kind of story that makes me realize just how old I am. Next Radio will start carrying programs from the public radio satellite system, so public radio stations that air national shows can automatically send the feed to Next Radio. The added value Next Radio brings includes images and other descriptive information about the program. Images on radio. Isn't that television? Well, never mind. The public radio satellite system created what's called the MetaPub platform to allow local and national public radio programs to display images, text, and promotional materials. Initially, the offerings will be limited to Morning Edition from NPR, All Things Considered from NPR, Classical 24 from APM, BBC World Service also from APM, and Weekend Edition Saturday, Weekend Edition Sunday, and Weekend All Things Considered, those three from NPR. Next Radio President Paul Brenner notes that the public radio news talk programs have seen listenership increase dramatically. Offering the new feature, says Brenner, will allow the station to provide a richer listening and viewing experience. NPR Vice President Michael Beach says that the integration of enhanced metadata into broadcast content is a logical next step to ensure public radio listeners have the best possible experience with their favorite shows via Next Radio's FM smartphone app. The Next Radio app modifies how you listen to FM radio on your smartphone. Now stop and think about that for a moment. I'm talking about listening to FM radio on your smartphone. The app provides a real-time view of what's playing, so you don't have to wait for somebody to tell you. It also enables interaction with your favorite NPR station. The public radio satellite system is the distribution network through which news, music, and specialized audience programming are delivered every year to public radio stations. Managed by NPR Distribution, the PRSS is a cooperative enterprise, and each participating station is a stakeholder in the collective assets of the satellite system. Stations own all of their downlink and uplink equipment. Well, be sure to downlink or uplink spare parts only on the website. If you're hungry and you're in one of 24 cities served by DoorDash, Columbus is one of them, by the way, you can have food delivered from any local restaurants in about an hour. Scotchmaker Johnny Walker wants you to learn more about the carbon footprint that web surfing creates. You'll just have to read spare parts to find out how that works. And a couple of acquisitions caught my attention this week. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.